Welcome back to the podcast. It's been a strange year, hasn't it? I'm recording this in 2021, and we're still not at the end of the current worldwide pandemic. People have been searching for comfort in all sorts of places, whether that's in family, in medicine, or in simply having more stuff. Where are Christians meant to find comfort? Well, over the next few weeks, we're going to be playing some sermons I've been giving from the book of Isaiah. This book is foundational to the New Testament, and uh, the New Testament authors seem to say that their message is in line with it. So we're going to see what it says, and we'll see where God calls us to find comfort too. Isaiah chapter 47, page 734 of the Red Church Bibles. Go down. Sit in the dust, virgin daughter Babylon. Sit on the ground without a throne, queen city of the Babylonians. No more will you be called tender or delicate. Take millstones and grind flour. Take off your veil. Lift up your skirts, bare your legs and wade through the streams. Your nakedness will be exposed and your shame uncovered. I will take vengeance. I will spare no one. Our Redeemer, the Lord Almighty is his name, is the Holy One of Israel. Sit in silence, go into darkness, queen city of the Babylonians. No more will you be called the queen of kingdoms. I was angry with my people and desecrated my inheritance. I gave them into your hand and you showed them no mercy. Even on the aged, you laid a very heavy yoke. You said, I am forever the eternal queen. But you did not consider these things or reflect on what might happen. Now then, listen, you lover of pleasure, lounging in your security and saying to yourself, I am, and there is none besides me. I will never be a widow or suffer the loss of children. Both of these will overtake you in a moment. On a single day, loss of children and widowhood. They will come upon you in full measure. In spite of your many sorceries and all your potent spells, you have trusted in your wickedness and have said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and knowledge mislead you when you say to yourself, I am and there is none besides me. Disaster will come upon you and you will not know how to conjure it away. A calamity will fall upon you that you cannot ward off with a ransom. A catastrophe you cannot foresee will suddenly come upon you. Keep on then with your magic spells and with your many sorceries, which you have laboured at since childhood. Perhaps you will succeed. Perhaps you will cause terror. All the counsel you have received has only worn you out. Let your astrologers come forward, those stargazers who make predictions month by month. Let them save you from what is coming upon you. Surely they're like stubble. The fire will burn them up. They cannot even save themselves from the fire of the flame. These are not coals for warmth. This is not a fire to sit by. That is all they are to you. These you have dealt with and laboured since your childhood. All of them go on in their error. There is not one that can save you. How does a civilization go from throne to dust? How does a civilization go from throne to dust? We've been seeing a choice in Isaiah over the past few weeks, a choice between listening and trusting the one true God or ignoring him and going our own way. God has shown again and again that he is the one to trust. 
But whilst history continues, there will always be another credible rival to God. And that's been true throughout history. Uh, Why is it so hard for our friends, for our neighbours, to consider their position before God? Why are we tempted to believe that they're fine with where they stand? I mean, it, it doesn't really feel like they're missing out on anything, does it? In fact, if you were to look around... The world that we seem to live in, well, it it seems to work. People aren't more successful if they live God's way. In fact, it seems that those who lie and cheat, well, they're doing pretty all right. Our society, it seems to hold together, even whilst jettisoning the Christian foundations it was built on. Is it really a bad thing for people around us to reject God? Is it really going to affect their lives that much? Well, the same as now, Israel could look around at the world, look at the nations around them, and see that they seem to be getting on fine. Babylon, the power center of the world. I mean, you can read about Babylon in the history books. Their trade was making all of their inhabitants extremely rich. Gold, silver, copper, oil, leather... Their art, it's known for being beautiful, for being unique. Babylon built some of the wonders of the world. Their scientific achievements, they were ahead of their time. Their education system was open to all, men and women. They basically held the PhDs of their day. And then we talk about their military, conquering the known world and taking people into exile. Israel knows that one too well, don't they? To put it simply, Babylon was prospering. And all the while, without God. Was it really that bad for them? Well, Babylon in Isaiah chapter 47 is going to be a case study for us this evening. A case study of a nation without God. A case study that shows us how civilization built on idolatry comes to an end. Babylon is doomed because their worldview is based on a false hope. It's a house of cards. It's one blow and it all crumbles. And as we see this passage this evening, we're going to be given a choice. Where do we want to build our lives? Which city would we prefer to live in? How does a civilization go from throne to dust? I get that question this evening from the first verse, actually, of Isaiah 47. Let's have a look at Isaiah 47, verse 1. Go down, sit in the dust, virgin daughter Babylon. Sit on the ground without a throne, queen city of the Babylonians. No more will you be called tender or delicate. Isaiah is speaking to the city of Babylon. And to refer to a city as a virgin daughter is a term of endearment. In fact, we're meant to be comparing the city of Babylon with the city mentioned just a verse before, the city of Zion. That is the choice between Isaiah's readers uh, this evening. That's the choice before us this evening. Which city do we want to build our lives in? Zion, where God's splendor will be, or Babylon? And Isaiah here wants to show us where civilization without God ends. How does a civilization go from throne to dust? Well, the answer, by rejecting God. This chapter, it breaks down into three sections. And those three sections each describe a different aspect of rejecting 
God. So let's have a look at the first one in verses 1 to 7. Rejecting God's power. Now, as I've said, Babylon was the top of the world. She was the queen of kingdoms. But in verses 1 to 4, we see her go from a throne down to being a slave. See, when Isaiah says she's no more to be called tender or delicate in verse 1, he's making that point. It's language of luxury. But now she's going to get her hands dirty. Verses 2 and 3, they call for the city to take up millstones. A millstone is something used by the lowest servant in the house to grind their flour. It's showing a loss of position, the loss of power. And why is that happening? Why is Babylon going from pampered princess to a slave? Well, because she's rejected God's power. Have a look at verse 6. God says, I was angry with my people and desecrated my inheritance. I gave them into your hands and you showed them no mercy. Even on the aged, you laid a heavy yoke. We saw a couple of weeks ago that God can work circumstances. He's the one bringing Babylon against Israel. He's the one that has all the power. God is completely sovereign. Just notice the eyes in verse 6. I was angry. I gave them into your hands. Yeah, that doesn't excuse their sin. You showed them no mercy. See, God is sovereign, yes, but that doesn't take away responsibility. See, Babylon thought that they were the powerful ones. Do you see what they say? I am forever the eternal queen. And in doing so, they're rejecting God's power. They're rejecting God. They haven't considered what is going on. They think they're the ones who are powerful, but it's God who has given them the power. So they're going to be humiliated. The greatest nation in the entire world is going to be brought down low. Babylon is doomed because, point one, they've rejected God's power. And not only have they rejected God's power, but point two, they've rejected God for themselves. What they've done is they've taken God off the throne and they put themselves there instead. The language of verse eight is striking. In fact, if you were here last week, it might ring a bell to see if it rings some bells for you. Now then, listen, you lover of pleasure, lounging in your security and saying to yourself, I am and there is none besides me. I'll never be a widow or suffer the loss of children. I am, and there's none besides me. We've just seen that language before in the previous chapter. Have a look at Isaiah 46, verse 9. God said, I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Babylon is putting itself in the place of God. They rejected God for themselves. They put themselves in God's place. That's a slap in God's face, isn't it? Babylon believes it is above all. It is subject to none. It is entitled. It is self-sufficient. Everything that God truly is, Babylon is claiming to be. They've rejected God for themselves. And it's that pride that's going to be their downfall. In the ancient world, a woman had two ways of ensuring she would be cared for. Marriage and children. And Isaiah is describing Babylon as her daughter, isn't he? And he's carrying on that picture into verse 8. When Babylon says, I'll never be a widow or suffer the loss of children, what the point being made is, the city is saying, I'm going to survive forever. But just look at how fast the creator of the universe can turn that around. Have a look at verse 9. Both of these will overtake you in a moment, on a single 
day, loss of children and widowhood. See, in the space of a day, God can remove it all. He can bring Babylon down with a click of his fingers. Her security can be gone in a moment. Yet what is it that makes them think they're so proud? What is it that makes Babylon think that she's secure? Well, it's there in verse 10. You've trusted in your wickedness and you've said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge mislead you when you say to yourself, I am and there is none besides me. Do you see how that logic works? No one sees me. They're succeeding without anybody doing anything about it. Their wisdom, their knowledge, it's saying to them, well, you're unstoppable. Look around. Yet that very wisdom and knowledge misleads them. In Isaiah, the word mislead is a word that means turning away from God. So what Isaiah is basically saying here is in their supposed wisdom and knowledge, they've lost God. They've replaced God with themselves. Using that language again, I am and there is none besides me. And all it takes is a calamity to show that that's not true. Societies tend to think they're God until something bigger comes along. Just take a global pandemic, for example. It reminds everyone how big we really are. People panic. We do everything we can to save ourselves, whether that's buying food or toilet roll. In fact, I remember um, Izzy and the girls and I, we were walking around Warner's End on the first weekend of lockdown on our 30 minutes of exercise that we were allowed. The roads were completely empty. And the only voice was a man singing an old hymn from his bedroom window. It was a scene from an apocalypse movie. But a year on, we're basically back to where we were before. We seem to have forgotten our place once more. Babylon's pride means they have no place for God. They think they're invincible. They think that no one is going to punish them for their crimes. But God is saying disaster is on the horizon. And their abilities will do nothing to save them. In fact, they cannot even foresee what is coming. Their pride is going to bring them down from the throne to the dust. They've rejected God. They've rejected God for themselves. And finally, point three, they've rejected God for their achievements. Have a look at verses 12 to 15. Now, as I read those verses earlier, you might have thought to yourself, well, that seems quite distant from today. Verse 12, keep on then with your magic spells and with your many sorceries, which you have labored at since childhood. Perhaps you'll succeed. Perhaps you'll cause terror. I mean, magic spells and sorceries, they seem things like things from a bygone history, don't they? But what the people here are doing actually has not gone anywhere. See, when they're talking about magic and sorcery, that's all about manipulating things for the good life. And once you clock that, well, it's not that different to today. Where someone might look at the stars to figure out what's coming, someone else might be looking at the trends in the stock exchange. When someone might use plants to beat death, another may take drugs to extend their life. See, these aren't primitive people. In fact, we might recognize more of what they're doing than we realize. You could call these things science and technology. But to build a society on science and technology, well, it's a fool's errand. It was in Babylon's day, and it's the same any day. 
Now, don't mishear me. That's not saying that science and technology are bad. Far from it. But what it is saying is that any society that is built on achievement rather than God is doomed to fail. Maybe verse 13 sounds a bit familiar now we've thought about that. All the counsel you've received has only worn you out. Let your astrologers come forward. Those stargazers who made predictions month by month, let them save you from what's coming on you. I mean, we know it today, don't we? Everybody has an opinion. Everyone has an idea. I'm sure if they had phones back then, I'm sure everyone would say, well, there's an app for that. But misplaced trust, in this case, it's a fool's errand. It doesn't work. It's doomed to fail. Isaiah's sarcasm, it shines through. Come on, keep on going. Maybe it's going to work out for you. But everything that Babylon has, all of its achievements, they, they count for nothing. When fire comes on their city... It's all going to be gone. Verse 14. Surely they're like stubble. The fire will burn them up. They can't even save themselves from the power of the flame. These are not coals for warmth. This is not a fire to sit by. Look really carefully at that verse. Isaiah is saying the achievements of Babylon are nothing. If they were set on fire, they wouldn't even warm one person. Just imagine you've been invited to a house for a bonfire. It's that time of year, isn't it? And when you arrive, you see the fuel. It's a scrap of paper. How long is that going to burn for? Whether it's a piece of newspaper or a PhD certificate, how long is that going to last? It's a flash in the pan. Everything that Babylon rests on is going to be gone in moments. The PhD certificates are gone. The stocks and bonds and smoke. Human achievement is not going to save them. It's not even going to warm them. They've rejected God. For achievement. How does a civilization go from throne to dust? Well, it's by rejecting God. Babylon is a case study of that. And as we've gone through this chapter, I hope you see the similarities. Hope something's come to mind for you. Because it is actually a biblical thing to do to see Babylon as a picture of a nation without God. See, John in the book of Revelation, he picks this passage up. He goes to Isaiah 47. And he runs with it. He pits the new creation, the new Jerusalem, against Babylon in Revelation chapter 18. So when we see the echoes of our society here, well, the warning is real. Isaiah wants his readers, he wants us to listen and to choose their side. For Israel, that's going to look like throwing their lot behind the creator, trusting him that the allure of Babylon is nothing to be had trusting that even though Babylon looks to be blessed, even though it looks successful, it's all a facade. It's all a house of cards. Every Babylon will fall, no matter how successful it looks. And the same thing goes for us today, doesn't it? In a world that prizes itself on its power whilst rejecting God's sovereignty, in a world that puts itself in God's shoes whilst rejecting him, in a world where achievements count for everything, it can be tempted for us to believe those lies. But in the end, every Babylon will fall, no matter how successful it looks. We just have to wait long enough to see it. Because the Queen of Kingdoms did fall, however unlikely that looked in Isaiah's day. And the Babylons of today will do exactly the same. And the ones after that too. So don't place your hope, 
Don't place your trust there right now. However attractive it may seem, we want to keep looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. God is in charge of all things, so let's listen to him and trust him that everything he said that he will bring about will come true. Well, I hope you found some comfort there. Any feedback can be sent to me on podcast at david-couch.com and I'll see you next time.